Hello, welcome to EVN Report. My name is Maria Titizian, and my guest today in the studio is someone who does not require an introduction, Garo Pailan. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And for those very few people who do not know, you are a former member of parliament from Turkey. You are currently now based in the United States, and you are now here in Armenia after I can only describe as the great tragedy at the moment that we are uh, witnessing, which is the mass deportation, the mass exodus, the ethnic cleansing of the Armenians of uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, of Artsakh, which for the first time in millennium, that people who, the indigenous Armenians uh, of Artsakh have now been forced to flee. Um, this, of course, is after 10 months, almost 10 months of a total siege, a blockade by Azerbaijan. And now we have over 100,000 Armenians forcibly displaced who are trying to rebuild or, or, or find a home uh, because they, many of them left with the clothes on their back. Garo, why are you here today? I'm here uh, to be with the people of Artsakh, first of all. And I'll try to ease their pain. But I know this is a catastrophe. This catastrophe was coming. And I saw that it was coming 10 years ago because Turkey left democracy. And unfortunately, Erdogan made a coalition with the nationalists. And nationalists need enemies, as you know. We are the traditional enemy of the Turks, Turkish nationalists, I mean. And they started supporting Azerbaijan, and Israel started supporting Azerbaijan, and Azerbaijan was buying sophisticated weapons. And I saw this threat was coming, and Turkey was using, uh, when ending the uh, peace process with the Kurds, they started using these uh, weapons against the Kurds, and I came here several times, warned, tried to warn Armenian people that this war is coming. But unfortunately, people were not ready to hear me. There were two ways you know, to respond to this coming threat, to be stronger than the so-called enemy or to be clever. Unfortunately, we were not strong enough and we were not, unfortunately, clever enough to just uh, avoid this coming threat. And after the 2020 war, we had to do more, really, to convince the world order to make Armenian people stay there, but there was no way. Azerbaijan is not a democratic state. They don't have any respect to the rights of the people, even their people, Azeris. They, they didn't have any rights uh, of the Arsakhti people, and this is the catastrophe we live. And I came here to work to help Arsakhti people and to guarantee that this is the sentence I'm going to use. This should be our last catastrophe. This should be our last catastrophe, and we should focus on Armenia. If Armenia is strong, then we can, uh, Armenia can deliver uh, help all the Armenians all over the world. We should now focus on this, easing the pain of the Arsasi people, and to help Armenia be strong to guarantee that this is our last catastrophe. You said something that really struck with me, something that I've been saying, and then sometimes I think I'm in the state of delusion because uh, we have been pathological liars to ourselves for not wanting to see the impending disaster. That was all the all the red flags were there for us to see, and yet we wanted to somehow believe that this would never happen, that the yeah. status quo would yeah. hold, that Aliyev would oh, never. Oh, we are attack. we are a Christian nation, yeah. and we are a democracy. But I am nowadays living in uh, D.C. 
I saw this. No, okay, they care about that we are Christians. They care that we are trying to be a democratic nation. But it is only a nuance. Of course. It is only a nuance in D.C. It is only a nuance in Paris, London, or Brussels. They more care about interests. We have to understand this. Right. 95% of the th- thing that is interest, 5% might be a nuance uh, that we are Christian mm-hmm. or we are democracy. We saw this, right. unfortunately. And I think another thing that we are witnessing and we are seeing, and I'm hoping that we are no longer blind to this, is that you know, I, I kept writing that this is a failure of international diplomacy, of the rules-based international exactly. order. Sure. But at the end of the day, if you're not strong, yes. and if you're not clever, like it, you said, yeah. this will always work you. know what? You. Aliyev would not dare to do this 30 years ago, because 30 years ago, the world would cared about these kind of humanitarian issues more, let's say in Bosnia, mm-hmm. no, but they did, mm-hmm. you know, and other countries. But now... They less care about human rights issues because there is a no. There will be a struggle between autocracies and democracies. Both sides are trying to take more members to their camp. Mm-hmm. Let's say Azerbaijan is going to be there, or this no Turkey and these kind of countries benefit from this no this balanced pol- policy. I don't always say oh I have options between Russia. And West, and they, the West turns a blind eye on what Erdogan does or what Aliyev does. Oh, Aliyev has the energy. Instead of, instead of one autocrat, we have to take natural gas or oil from the other autocrat or to surround Iran. Oh, we need Azerbaijan. So this is the mainstream. We saw that we don't have any leverage, that we have to face this. The only leverage that we have, oh, we are a Christian nation. So and we are a democracy. We are a democracy. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. We have to have leverage. We have to face this that we didn't have. And mo- one more thing. We thought America is going to help us. Russia is going to uh, help us. Or France is going to help us. No, we have to face that we are alone. Mm-hmm. And the only strength we have is our nation. But unfortunately, there is a division in, in our nation. This is our biggest, unfortunately, we are not, this should be our strength, but this is our weakness. This is not the time to really to blame on each other, scapegoat Mr. Pashinyan. Of course, we can criticize Mr. Pashinyan because he is just ruling this country. Mm-hmm. But you know, in a democratic nation, it is so normal to criticize the one who is just ruling the country. But... This is the time to unite, really. I always heard this uh, sentence in Turkey, you know, whenever they do. But no, this is the time to unite. To, because this time, uh, not only Arsakh, Armenia's future, you know, I have deep concerns about it. So to avoid further catastrophes, now it is time to unite and uh, think about how can we make Armenia a strong country strong and which can really defend itself and only with a uh, economically diplomatically and by all means a strong armenia really can deliver every kind of service to to all the armenians all over the world mm-hmm. you know i think there will come a time and that time 
will hopefully be soon when we have to have a moment of introspection and realize that we failed diplomatically, we failed militarily, we failed politically, we failed socially on many, many issues, on many, many fronts. Today, we are seeing the fruits of that failure. And it's okay to say that we failed, but we need to have a plan. And I think the message that you're bringing that you're carrying of this stopping or mitigating this uh, innate division and blaming each other. I always said that, you know, on November 9, when Pashinyan signed the trilateral statement ending the 44-day war, and people say, oh, you're so naive. But I always thought, you know, the following morning, if every former president, former defense minister, former foreign affairs minister, uh, any state leader that had ever served this country had come together and said, you know, Pashinyan, at one point you will pay for, you know, being the, leading this country into the worst catastrophic defeat in a mm-hmm. hundred years. But right now we're putting together all of our institutional memories, our networks, our finances, our resources, our connections to bring Armenia back from this precipice. I don't understand why that could not have been done. And instead of moving in that direction, we keep creating more division. Yes. What can the diaspora do now? You are now living in North America. You're Turkey, we don't consider a diaspora, but of course. What can Armenian nation do to help bring the state of Armenia out of this very very critical time? First of all, uh, we lived an earthquake in 1989, I guess. 88. 88, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I was so young and all the uh, now let's say uh, diaspora were mobilized about that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to help Armenian people about the consequences of that earthquake. Now I don't see that. We have lived uh, w- one of the worst catastrophes of this century. Now I don't dis- see that mo- mobilization. Mm-hmm. We have to ha- do that, first of all, to help. It. Not all, I don't mean you know, money, mm-hmm. you no know, coming here, being with the people and help them by all means. Now, first of all, we need to really mobilize about it, first of all. Second of all, we need, there is a great threat for Armenians' future. I'm not telling only about Turks and Azeris might attack Armenia for so-called Zengezur corridor. There is a, there is a huge uh, risk about it. For this, we need to unite, and everybody should think, what can I do to avoid that risk, first of all? But no, I believe this is some kind of a Russian plan because Russia does not want a democracy in its backyard garden, mm-hmm. a successful democracy, which is uh, pursuing you know, good relations with the Western countries as well. Russia doesn't want it. Maybe they want to get rid of the Western institutions, other institutions here, and Armenia to be a country like Belarus in the South Caucasus. So we need to avoid this as well. This doesn't mean endorsing Mr. Pashinyan. No, Mr. Pashinyan is an elected prime minister. That's it. We can someday elect somebody else. But if we lose Armenia, we won't have fair elections. That is for sure. So uh, we won't have institutions, functional institutions, which can deliver you know, uh, uh, rule-based order, whatever, or we won't have free media. Now we have some kind of free media, which is the be- maybe the best in this re- region. We need to really think about it. There is a huge resentment between each other. So this is not the time to really 
focus on each other. The diaspora needs to focus on a strong Armenia. There is a huge threat for the future of Armenia. So we first need to avoid these risks and help uh, our Sasi people. Then we can, of course, continue thinking about how to make Armenia better. If some offer comes, a be better political party here offering a better Armenia, of course Armenian people are going to uh, know vote for them. But I think Armenians have more say about Armenia's future. And diaspora needs to help them. And uh, Sometimes I hear uh, terrible sentences you know, about only blaming this government and in terrible, uh, by all means, it, it's un unacceptable these days. So we need to stop that. At least my offer is this. Let's give it a break for blaming each other. These months, these three months is very crucial for Armenia's future. Give this a break. This might be very important that this is my message to the diaspora. I think it's a very important message and I can't uh, agree with you more because this division and this disunity is... And, and you're right, Armenia you know today... Yeah. I'm I, I, sorry sure. to interrupt you, but no, do, nations do, do it when they see an existential threat. Right. Nations unite. You know, there are ultra-nationalists, socialists or liberals or right-wing and le left-wing Armenians. This should be our strength. But this is our weakness now. People are all only blaming each other when you see an existential threat, even in your family. You know, you can have socialists, leftists, right-wing people. You unite to save your home. Armenia is our home. It is our heart. So to save it, this is the time to unite, to give it a break, to fight with each other. Because this is our weakness. Enemies always watch us. When they see there is an unrest in our family, they see we are weak, so they attack us more. If they see that we are united, we do more to help Armenia, uh, they see Armenia is strong now, let's not attack them. So we need to show them to our enemies, to all the world. While you're here, Gado, I know that you're going to be uh, going out to the regions and to meet with uh, the forcibly displaced uh, yeah. people of Artsakh and, you know, just to show empathy and to show them that you're here standing with them, to show that Armenians all over the world and people like yourself are here to care for them. But I think we need to also address the role of Turkey in this yeah. Uh, yeah. in this modern day catastrophe yeah. that we unfortunately unfortunately yeah. are having to live yeah. and you know i've been doing podcasts all week and talking to people and i keep and i remember during the war as well when turkey was coming out in support of azerbaijan not only with words but with the military assistance and with the transfer of mercenaries it, i remember i i wrote it was this creeping fear up my spine that they had come back to finish the job mm -hmm. and this two countries one nation turkey and and azerbaijan Turkey has taken a very clear position, although it's a NATO member, yeah. uh, to support Azerbaijan. And you mentioned the so-called Zankezur Corridor, yeah. which would basically cut Armenia yeah. and potentially, without being hysterical about yeah. it, lead to the capitulation of yeah. the modern-day Republic of Armenia. Can the West do anything to deter Erdogan, to deter Aliyev from these next steps that we are anticipating? Of course, but first of all, Turkey needs to do more. Turkey needs to change this position, first of all. I am trying to convince them uh, for this. No, 
Because Turkey doesn't have an independent South Caucasus policy, unfortunately. There are so many Azeris in Ankara, and they have media. You can't believe. Half of the media is controlled by Azeris. They are just, uh, just employing people there, commentators and everyone, to make the public o- opinion. Erdogan is an opportunist. He, no, someday, uh, let's say, 10 years ago, he was behaving like a Democrat, whatever. But now uh, the public opinion is much more nationalist, unfortunately. And they are using this Zengezur corridor or narrative or being brothers with Azeris narrative to raise you know, nationalism because Turkey cannot deliver welfare to these people anymore. Uh, and so they are raising nationalism against, uh, they have three cards, as you know, Kurds, enemies, and Greeks. Sometimes uh, they use a terrible narrative against Greeks. One night we can come and take the Greek islands, and Greek feels uh, vulnerable, and they go to Americans, and Americans build more, let's say, uh, United States bases there. So it's not in Turkey's favor, but they do it, unfortunately. I tell them, in the 90s, we were do- doing mistake by having maximalist demands. Now, of course, Armenians won the war, but they couldn't win the peace. Father Aliyev even offered autonomy to Karabakh those years. We, we, we said no to that. No, we want only free Arsah. Now, if this Aliyev offered uh, Ars- uh, autonomy, some kind of autonomy to Arsah, we would say yes. So, then we had maximalist demands that maybe some Russians just said, oh, you have this demand for this peace not to happen to ultranationalist Armenians. Now, now, if somebody wants no peace here in the region, they would force Azeris to have maximalist demands like Zengazur. I'm trying to convince Turks that this is a red line for Armenia. Pashinyan or any president or prime minister cannot say yes to this. No one can yet say yes to of this. Course. But no, they have this demand. And I said, if you want to spoil this peace process, you would convince Azeris to have this demand. So don't do it. Try to convince Azeris to not have this demand. And we can open the transportation lines. Mm-hmm and have trade with each other. Tourists can go to Azerbaijan, Baku, Sevan Lake, and Van or Ararat, whenever they want to, and all the people will benefit from this. But if you don't want peace, you can go on with this policy. It's going to spoil everything. That is what I am trying to convince Turkey and Azeris really be aware that to end this kind of demands, maximalist demands, because we lived it 30 years ago, now we are living it again. 30 years ago, Azeris were, you know, lived an exodus from mm-hmm. the regions. As you know, it's a huge catastrophe. Now that hatred, you know, uh, Azeris organized that hatred against the Armenians. And 30 years ago, like a boomerang, it came back. And now we live this exodus from Arsa. This should be the end, you know, because everybody has suffered enough. Uh, and with peace, we can deliver welfare to Azeris, Turks, and Armenians together in all the region. This is our fate. We are living in, in this geography, and we have to end these never-ending catastrophes somehow. And this is the time 
I guess, right time to think about peace. Some Armenians might pursue revenge. Mm -hmm. I think it is not the time for this. We have to pursue peace because peace is a necessity for Armenia. It is not a necessity for Azerbaijan because Aliyev regime needs enemies. It's not a necessity for Turkey. Peace is a necessity for Armenia. And I'm sure if we can establish peace in the region, Armenia will be stronger in some years and it can defend itself e more easily that time. Garo Pailan, uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come and speak with us and delivering this very important message. I mean, there's two messages here. First of all, we need to find a common ground as Armenians with each other and, and be united in, in, in trying to confront the very, very, very serious challenge that we yeah. have uh, before us. And also to understand that the importance of peace and why it's important for us. That's a very important nuance that people forget. If we want to remain a democracy, if we want to remain a free country where there is freedom of speech and yeah. movement and, and the press, uh, we need peace. For dictators, for autocrats, having constant conflict is their bread and butter. This Exactly. they need. Exactly. Um, so we have to decide, first of all, what kind of country we want, how we're going to protect our borders, how we're going to protect the people and, and the welfare of the people and try to live with the neighbors that we yeah. have uh, been fated with. We shouldn't forget only 30 years ago we were living with Azeris. We shouldn't forget that only 100 years ago we were living with Turks in Turkey. And I'm from Malatya. And now so many people living in Armenia is from uh, Maraş, Malatya, Harput, and Kars. And if we can have an open border, people will see that we are not enemies. We t peoples are not enemies. Really, believe me, then uh, if we can convince each other and uh, have connections with each other, it will be the end of these uh, never-ending catastrophes. We will be able to go to one, and Azeris might, will be able to enjoy being around Sewan Lake, and we might be even going to Baku as well, because only 30 years ago we were able to... These hatred, these hate speeches, hate crimes caused us fall apart. Now, it is not a dream. Uh, Europeans fought for centuries, now they are enjoying to live together. This should be our dream to establish peace in the South Caucasus. And in Armenia, we can even habitate 10 million Armenians in Ar Armenia. And first, uh, we need to make Armenia strong, then ask for justice for the you know, crimes that uh, have been committed against our sub-people. No, even if you are right, you can't prove that you are right in the international community. You have to be strong at the same time. You have to be right, and you have to be strong to prove that you are right, unfortunately. Without being strong, even in a court, international court, you can't prove that you are right. So we have to be strong, first of all. We have to have a strong army. For this, this requires peace. Thank you, Garo. Thank you. <laughs>